I only got a thousand dollars a week, and that's all I'm like. I promise you, I'm not gonna be doing a lot of loads that <laughs> we do if that's the case. There's no motivation. I'd rather just sit at home or you know sit and have my little thirty minute break. This is the Overdrive Radio podcast. I'm Todd Dills, and that was Daryl Lightburn speaking in a roundabout way about his motivation in the lease arrangement he has with Southern California-based Angus Transportation, a now three-truck business owned and operated by Jimmy DeVaris. Lightburn's clearing multiples more than the $1,000 a week he offered as an example of a bad deal at the top. He's in a percentage-type compensation arrangement there as an independent contractor, and I spoke with he and DeVaris both given the latter's past experience hauling rail and intermodal containers in the region where he's based. Attendant to a feature you'll see in the February issue of Overdrive about the independent contractor classification and challenges to it via West Coast courts and other areas. And it's abuse by too many companies around trucking with often lease purchase arrangements that make it impossible to succeed or next to impossible much less be afforded any truly independent status with negotiating power. Union organizing and attendant litigation at the ports, and some high-profile examples of muckraking-type journalism over the past years, have exposed some of the most egregious examples. At the same time, the traditional percentage pay method of small fleets with lease arrangements with owner-operators survives, yes, even in California, as Lightburn and Navarez are clear evidence of. Throughout the talk in this edition of the podcast, apologies for the sound. Both Navarez and Lightburn at different times and at different points were on site doing what owner-ops do, of course, loading in and loading out. I uh, doubt that'll be anything new to you there. But uh, In any case, you'll hear Navarez's voice cut in at a certain point in this first segment, but here's owner-operator Lightburn to start. Well, I've been driving trucks since 93 uh, and sure. became owner-operator in 2002 uh, with Snyder National. And um, yeah, I ran with Jimmy from some other company before, and then we ran to a second company with him, and he decided to do the do his own authority. And uh, I guess he tried that for a year and uh, figured out the system, and then he was trying to find some drivers because I was going to do my own thing as well. But because um, I'm 47 now, so I'm a kind of a lazy driver at this point, so I'm trying to do all the paperwork and all the stuff that Jimmy was doing. So we came up with an agreement, you know, but I would pay him to handle all the. The, uh, the paperwork stuff and and um and that's how we just start running that way so it was just less stuff for me to worry about and deal with sure and how how long has that been now um are we on our second on, year jim we're going on three years you'd be at a uh, hundred almost at 150 weeks now if i counted the uh settlements correctly oh okay so about three years yeah so we've been about three years so uh, like i said it's been working good like um he gets his percentage and he takes care of what I need to take care of. And, yeah, it's not a problem. So, As so many have contended over the years, percentage could be just about the best method of pay when it comes to clear illustration of the value of the carrier and the owner-op lease to that carrier for both parties. For the owner-op, after all, as long as the carrier sticks to the percentage cut in the lease, it's easy for the contractor to know what the shipper is paying and to be able to clearly judge whether that's fair or not. Don't you wish we could say the same for all the brokers out there? For more on that issue, check out my Channel 19 post from earlier this week. Search Broker Margin Transparency at OverdriveOnline.com to find it. Nonetheless, 
The B prong of the so-called ABC test in the 2018 court decision in Dynamex versus Superior Court of Los Angeles, despite decided by the California Supreme Court, requires an independent contractor to be essentially in another business than the con company contracting altogether, or be deemed misclassified. If expanded via subsequent litigation and, and applied nationwide, that would no doubt be problematic for most any trucking entity that, in addition to contracting with owner-operators as independents, also operates its own powered equipment. The untold number of lawsuits over misclassification of independent contractors that emerge in California and subsequent liability that follows for back pay for state-required meal and rest breaks I imagine you've heard about have been part and parcel of union organizing efforts in the ports particularly in recent years in LA and Long Beach, where predatory lease purchasing and other impossible-to-succeed agreements have, in the most dramatic cases, turned ostensibly independent contractors into veritable indentured servants. I asked Lightburn and Navaris if they'd seen organizing efforts in person themselves along their day-to-day, -day, specializing in Southern California as they do, so far from the ports. Lightburn eventually would get to his view of the many suits filed over meal and rest breaks, and union efforts as well. And Navarez, you'll hear break in with some of the details of their lease agreement. Um, I haven't seen it myself. I, I, I don't know because we run locally out here, just, uh, except for what right. Jimmy had told me. Because uh, I know there's a lot going out there in the industry now for um, a lot of drivers in front of student companies that they're working for, for lunch breaks and this and that. But a lot of that, I, like you say, this like okay. it's a different, it's a different kind of business. I mean, you should expect that. We don't have set hour lunches or set. And to me, like I said, what me and Jim is doing, we're, we're owner-operated. You know, you're supposed to take a break when you can, and there is a lot of uh, regulations out there. And these new drivers that's coming on, they're thinking this is a regular 9-to-5 job, and it's not a regular 9-to-5 job, especially if you're an owner-operated. We know, because uh, we bid on our, bid on our, on our jobs, just like, say, a plumber or a, somebody come work on your house, you know, you're not going to get the same deal as you get as your neighbor got. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you're not paying for the guy's lunch. You're not, you know, or he, or he can't charge you for his lunch break and he can't charge you for all this other stuff because once you make that deal on what you're going to do that, that work for, that's why you're called a contractor. You're contracting yourself out and you agree to a certain amount of money and that should be it. Everybody's trying to get all these extra bonuses for nothing. You know, so that's what I think the whole, as far as all that goes wrong. And now then you got the the union people trying to come in there and they want their little piece of the pie and hop on and, you know, I, I it's, it's crazy to me. We're set not as an hourly pay uh, contract and he does have exclusivity with me because he does run my authority. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. He is allowed to have, if he wanted to mirror my authority with his own, uh, to be able to do something like that, but he chooses because okay. we're able to book him on enough freight that he uses the exclusivity. He uh, chooses to use my authority, my plates. Uh, right. He's paid percentage of the gross revenue, total gross yeah. revenue. So we typically right. don't have to deal with the hourly stuff or the uh, the mile pay. Uh, lends itself. Okay. That's kind of the way I wanted to build my model in the beginning was the best company that we ever hauled for uh, as owner-operators, and me and Daryl hauled there together, the in my eyes, the best way to pay was percentage when we worked for that company because it was almost the situation as a contractor. You know that if they're making money, you're making money. So they're trying just as hard to keep you busy to make their percentage as they're trying to keep you making your percentage. So 
sure. that, that creates more of a win-win to a contractor, and that's always how I wanted to set up my business. Yeah, and then with um, that way too, like he still has to call and ask me, um, give me the rate that they're quoting. So it's not like um, he gonna get the rate and call me and say, hey, this is where you're going, you know. And then I'm not making no money. So um, that's why I say it goes time and time. So we negotiate with uh, with each other. It's just like I said, the thing is, just Jimmy's taking a lot of the, um, extra work that I don't want to do out of it. So I'm paying him a percentage to be my personal, I guess, my personal broker. I guess. I've always told my guys, I wouldn't do, you know, since I still drive one of my own trucks and haul freight, I wouldn't put you guys on a load that I wouldn't do myself. And if by chance one of those loads does come along and it has a decent rate on it, I'll call you ahead of time. I'll let you know, hey, this is what they're offering. Do you want to haul it? So it's, it's definitely not forced dispatch. We've always we've always had a good system going that we, we have a real good communication. So if you don't want to do something, you don't have to do it. Uh, and, and if you if you want to put a certain price on something, you know, if I come to you with a price, I come to Daryl with a price and he doesn't like it, he feels he wants more for it, I'll go back to the broker and negotiate that price with the customer. Jimmy, how, uh, are you using, are you doing working mostly with brokers or um, do you have some direct customers too? We have a few dedicated brokers that give us probably 70% of our work. Okay. Um, and the other 30% we're filling up with uh, Brokers that I've previously registered for, but stuff that they're putting up on their own independent load boards and uh, also uh, DAT and truck stop. So we yeah. just use uh, we use all that as fillers, but we get we get probably seventy percent of all of our work that's repetitive from the same brokers, same lanes, the same customers. And how far afield are you go are you going um, in terms of the re regional stuff that you're doing? Uh, well, that, and that's that's how I try to cater to the, what the contractors want as well. So Daryl, you know, when he came on, he says, you know, I have a sleeper truck, but it's not my it's not my favorite thing to have to use that sleeper. So I keep him literally in a hundred mile radius, hundred and fifty mile extended radius at, at the most of L.A. Uh, Ontario, where he parks. So uh, he he literally is home every night, and that's what he likes to do now. We have another contractor who uh, actually just so happens to be Daryl's cousin, um, okay. and he actually likes to go on the longer stuff because he doesn't want to deal with the traffic and the headaches. So I've incorporated him into my LA to Vegas lane. So he likes to turn LA to Vegas, and and I just kind of tailor to each contractor what their needs and wants, uh, family time, home time, uh, custom tailored contracting is, is what, what I try to do. I'm, I'm I'm losing you there, getting a lot of background noise for somebody. No, oh, yeah, I think that's <laughs> oh, okay. on Daryl. Yeah, 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 he's checking into it. Yeah, he's checking into the ship. The other contractor, Daryl's cousin, is running at the Las Vegas, uh, LA to Vegas lane. You said. Yeah, he likes the LA to Vegas lane, so he'll turn that uh, back to back to back, uh, and then I'll toggle myself uh, in between the local and the LA Vegas, just depending on whatever's you know hottest at that time and that point wherever we have more of our dedicated loads going to. Remind me, Jimmy, uh, you've, you've had your authority uh, for how long? Um, four years now, in, in February. And then I've been hauling, I think, now for, I lost count, but 17 years. Yeah, I couldn't help do it, but do a little bit of calculating at this, and took note that owner-operator Lightburn, in this case, of course, had well more experience than Navarez in trucking. Going back to the time he started as a company driver in 1993, Navarez stressed the singularity of just who Lightburn is, a bulwark of steady-as-she-goes independent work ethic. 
he's the one that all the fleets are out there trying to nab. And if, you know, okay. he's definitely, he's the greatest, hardest worker, safe driver. Um, I, I have nothing but positive accolades for him. He's, he's definitely helped me build my business. You know, from a contractual standpoint and just kind of how you operate, you know, is there any kind of due diligence that, uh, as the as the uh, you know, as the contracting entity, Jimmy, that you have to do when it comes to accounting for uh, the, the state meal and rest breaks, or is that something that you just don't even worry about at this point? Because I have heard from some companies that have been this, that basically uh, the end result was that they didn't really do much different operationally; they just had to. Uh, do a little bit more paperwork <laughs> to make sure they're yeah. uh, getting appropriate sign off and that kind of stuff. I'll be honest, it hasn't affected what we do, and I don't take any special yeah. steps for the meal and rest break. Uh, if it becomes right. an issue, then, then I definitely will have to incorporate it should it be mandated. But, um, it, it's something that I guess I've been brought up in the old school trucking where you know you take your meal. I usually eat my sandwich while I'm driving down the road, to be honest with you. If I stop for my 30-minute break, it's to take a walk somewhere or, you know, to get out and yeah. stretch my leg. It's, I'll usually eat my sandwich and drink my soda while I'm going down the road, and that's my meal. And I, I don't expect extra pay for it because I'm already getting paid, that, that percentage of that load. And and sure. that's, kind of, that's kind of the agreement that my contractors usually have as well because it's just a different type of industry. We don't clock out, take a 30-minute lunch break, and then clock back in. Uh, we're being compensated nearly the whole time we're on the road because they're percentage-based pay. So so if they're under a load, which typically all day long doing local and even LA Vegas, you're under a load. You're, you're getting paid that whole stretch of highway. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's just like a regular contractor building your house and stuff. You know, he has, you set on a, on a range agreement, and that's what you get paid. You're not going to sit out there and see if he's taking his lunch break and taking a 15-minute you know, break and yeah, you, know, yeah. you just know the job that you have to accomplish and whatever you have to do to accomplish that job. That's why you bid a certain price to do that job. So, yeah, yeah you get your meals whenever. They, I mean, if somebody over your shoulder, when are you going to eat? When are you going to do this? By law, we have to take a 30-minute break every within an um, eight-hour period. So, and, and you know, me, what do you take that between, you know, that's you, that's you and, the, and the government. So I'll be honest. For me, what it kind of feels like when I hear people <laughs> arguing for the meal and rest break period to become mandatory and paid, um, it, it, in the trucking industry, it almost sounds like people are just whining about something because they're not getting paid enough in the regular job as it is. You know, my guys will be the first ones to tell you they get paid well as contractors. So it's the guys that aren't getting paid well that are trying to nickel and dime their settlements and, and have, having a nickel and dime them to survive that want that extra stuff added. And it's just because to me, they got themselves into a contractual obligation that wasn't par. You know, if they're operating at a subpar level, then then they're constantly trying to fight to see where they can dig out more dimes, and they're usually stepping over quarters to do it. It seems like there's a there's quite a lot of um, sort of taking advantage of, of folks that you know maybe they haven't been in the business before that goes on in that regard, uh, and sort of lease purchases and stuff like that. You know, then when you but when you get to you know the whole notion of uh i don't know like the, the abc test and the dynamex uh case which is you know dynamex is not a trucking company right but yeah. but uh, as as it uh could apply if you know, if you take you start looking at that and apply it to trucking businesses including you know the 
uh, you know, the, the business that you have there, uh, there's no way that uh, that you could apply that test and it come out with a, with a, a ruling that uh, Daryl should be an independent contractor, right? There's that. Yeah, are you guys yeah. involved any in, in in any way in that uh, I'm independent for the California Chamber of Commerce initiative? I guess kind of kind of push back against that a little bit. The only way I've tipped my toes into it is just through communication with Joe Rockabach. That's Joe Rakovich of the Western States Trucking Association, a member of the I'm Independent Coalition, spurred, uh, spurred in part by the California Chamber of Commerce and other organizations in response to the ABC test in the Dynamex case. I see him quite a bit, talk to him, emails, phone calls, yeah. and that's, that's usually as far as it goes. I always touch bases with him to see, hey, where are you guys at on your guys' pushback on it? How's it going? What have you heard? Because you know, he knows how critical it was to my business that, that this Dynamex ABC test was going to be just the, the it's it's an unfair hammer to legitimate contractors. So I, I, that's about the gist of, of how far I get into it, because I, I technically right. don't like to dabble in politics too much. I like to, you know, focus on business. Yeah. But unfortunately, you, you know, politics sometimes come with it. So uh, I, I definitely touch bases with him quite a bit. And then I, I informed Daryl. And I'm my other contractor that, you know, this is what's going on and, and we're just keeping an eye on it. It could mean, you know, different set of rules, different set of incorporations for my drivers and things like that. So, so we're, we are watching it very, very closely. I mean, I guess, you know, if, if you, if you think, think, uh, think about it, the sort of logical conclusion of like an, of the extreme version of the logical conclusion anyway, uh, it's either like, you know, if you're an owner operator and you've got, got a, a contractual arrangement with another motor carrier um it, it seems like the only two options uh would be to have your own authority uh and 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 be working with that carrier that carrier is sort of a broker or um or to actually be an employee um and i've heard i've heard of the, those kinds of arrangements before but uh they they come with a, a, a new set of uh, responsibilities of course for the employer uh, rather than, uh, you know, an independent contractor uh, arrangement for a type of carrier, uh, have you ever have you have you really thought much about that? Like, if you had to to move in that direction, which which direction you might might go? Well, how you you look at it? I mean, I'm basically paying Jimmy twenty percent to do all the legwork. That's that's, that's yeah. I, I like to just hop I hop in my truck. Um, you yep. call me and say, hey, look, I got this load for this much. Um, yay, yay or nay, you want it? Um, I say, yeah, you know, I'll go ahead and take that. I hop in my truck and I go pick up the load. I get the paperwork signed, whatever. Then I transfer it over to Jimmy and I'm done. Yep. You know, Jimmy, then Jimmy has to get to go to the um, people that pays him for the load. He deals with all the collections, right? I just want to drive my truck. I just want to deliver my load. And whatever we, we both decide is fair, is fair. You know, I never go back to Jim and. Like, damn it, this customer did this. And well, you okay, you're going to have to pay me. And, you know, I said, no, because I understand the situation. I said, right, this is what the problem happened. I need you to go back to this customer and get some more money from us. If you can't get no more money, all right, Jim, we're going to put this in our book. I'm never going back to this customer again. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and we just sign it off like that. You know, no harm. I never get mad at Jimmy because I know Jimmy, he, he's hustling. He's, he's a good talker. You know, he has that DDD thing or something. He told me that well, he got to be up all night. <laughs> he's doing I don't have that, man. I'm out here having fun, dude. I, I go to work, so I just go yeah. and do my thing, make my money, and, you know, and we're good. And I think a lot of these 
drivers is coming to work for these big companies. And these big companies are taking uh, taking advantage of them. Because like I said, we work for J.B. Hunt. They pay you like $60 to go from Ontario to L.A., which is ridiculous to me as an owner-operator, you know. But with their business, it's a lot of dropping hooks. So they'll run you, and they'll run you to your 14 hours, and you just ripping and running, whatever. At the end of the day, you're going to make some money, but, God, you ran the hell out of your truck and yeah. this, this and that. So I can see why a lot of these drivers say, hey, man, we, we barely have time for our little lunch break. We barely have time for this. So these big companies are pushing these drivers too much. But at the same time, you signed on for that. You know what I mean? You, you've been doing this for a while. If you don't like it, then you'll move on. You can't. But this is not a nine to five. Every two hours, you get to stop the truck and take a 15-minute break. Every two hours. Um, another two hours, you're going to take a 30 minute hour lunch. You'll never get these loads there on time. And it's already bad enough when you're late just for traffic situation. The customers are sticking it to you. So you're going to sit there for another three or four hours because you miss your appointment. So I don't know how they expect you to do that, you know, and then, um, and then we want them to pay for our, our lunch break. You know? I personally just think, yo, it's going to work. So I've looked at, you know, I've talked to, uh, Joe about this whole, you know, how, how are we going to come to terms if the Dynamics ruling upholds? And, you know, we a lot of guys are already starting to do that, like you were saying, you know, have their own contractors, get their own authorities, and then uh, right. they'll actually, the carrier will get their brokerage authority um, and the broker the loads out as a second broker. But to me, that creates a problem um, that, that a lot of these guys aren't going to tell you know, they're just going to sweep it under the rug. But the problem of it is, if you go and do that scenario, which is the only way to legitimately have contractors after the Dynamex ruling, um, what's going to happen is, one, that's going to create a double brokerage situation if you're operating brokered loads. And that immediately, with 99% of the brokers, will either get you fined or unpaid if you double broker a load as a carrier or another broker. So that's mm-hmm. part one of why that won't work up. Part two is mm-hmm. a lot of my brokers won't do business with carriers that haven't had their authority for one or two years even. So if I tell my contractor, I tell Daryl, go get your authority, I could give him the load. But if that broker finds out, one, finds out he took the load and I double brokered it and doesn't penalize me, but then that he hasn't had his authority a certain longevity, then you know I'm 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 double screwing myself basically. So it, it does create a, a lot of headache right there to try to yeah. do it that way. Yeah, that is putting yeah. too many people in the country with that as far as uh, you got a man B man C and you know so on. Too many people in the in the buckets and that money everybody's making they get smaller and smaller anyway. The whole notion of uh... An owner-operator as an employee of a carrier, uh, but uh, but who is also getting paid for use of his equipment. Have you have you considered that, Jimmy, at all? I mean, just... So I've considered that, and and if that's the only way I'm going to legitimately be able to do business, I have a feeling I'm either going to lose my contractors because they're not going to like a reduced pay for all the new liability that it creates. You have workman's comp. You have all different kinds of things to deal with when it comes to an employee that the contractor relationship, you know, ultimately what it's going to lead to for them is a reduced rate of pay. So yes, I'll be paying them for their equipment, but because of all the new liabilities I'll incur by actually having to consider them a true employee, uh, payroll taxes and things subject to, it's going to end up in a in a net less check for them. I have a feeling it's gonna it's gonna down a lot of contractors. 
So that's why I, I have a feeling I would lose my contractors as good of a relationship as we have. It's just, you know, I understand business is business. Well, I mean, it's not something trying to force everybody to become independent contractors. You know, I guess that's what Jimmy is saying is true because, I mean, yeah, we're we're running off of the money that we're making because, like that, I, I agree to that. But then, like you said, you got to start pulling more money out and then I got to pay somebody else to also pay to find me the load. And, yeah, that's not going to be beneficial to me. So at that point, I'm going to have to do it myself. So I don't know if that's what this is all about. We're trying to get everybody to do this whole thing on their own or something. Or, of course, the converse of what Lightburn notes could also be true. If traditional lease arrangements tack toward the other side of this, with owner-operators as employees, that delivers more opportunities perhaps for collective bargaining to former independent contractors, which seems to have been the book of sorts in ports. Not that any union has been very successful in recent years in organizing the many more employee drivers that already exist in truckload throughout the United States. Collective bargaining just isn't in the DNA of many owner-operators, ultimately. I'm reminded of a comment under a poll we recently ran about the quote-unquote employee-owner-operator model, trying to suss out whether it had taken hold anywhere to a real degree. The commenter owner-operator cracked wise of a fashion. Quote, If employee is anywhere in my job description, I'd better have medical, dental, vision, 401k, paid vacation, all holidays paid, including time and a half after 40 hours. Exclamation point there. And when I park the truck, I turn in my pre-trip, post-trip to the shop, hang my key on the hook, and get in my car. See y'all in the morning. From my perspective, you know, I, I understand that's what the union mentality is, but my guys worked hard to be where they are, to buy their own trucks, to pull independently for themselves. Uh, they worked hard for that, and I don't want to. I don't want to be told I have to take that away from them. You know, it's a, it's not up to me to tell them how to how to how to you know. So I pay them a percentage, and that's where it ends. But it, making them an employee, then that makes me the employer the one that enforces the taxes, the one that enforces everything. That They want to be owner-operators and contractors. That's for them to control. So it, it's not right. fair for me to take over that control. They're, they're, you know, it, it kills them because they work so hard to be where they're at. It's just a few people that can't make it succeed because they got themselves in a bad situation that now they want it you know, across the board for everyone. That's, that's very unfair. Lightburn, after he became an owner-operator in 2002, eventually was forced back into a company driver role when California's emissions rules forced an upgrade he wasn't prepared to make. He worked his way ultimately into a 2009 Model International, becoming an owner-operator again, and now is making a much better income than during his brief company driver tour. He's starting to contemplate the next emissions deadline in California, 2023, when the Air Resources Board wants all trucks operating there to be 2010 or newer model in terms of the emissions spec. He's eyeing the current truck that Navaris is in, a 2018 Freightliner in which Navaris runs as part of the Freightliner Team Run Smart program. In addition to running a small fleet and hauling freight, Navaris is obligated uh, via that program to a variety of events with the power unit, likewise blogging about the business via the Team Run Smart website. Daryl's already got dibs on my uh, my Team Run Smart Pro truck when they retire this one and give me another one. Yeah, he, he likes this one, so he's, he's already called dibs on it. But uh, and, and then another thing we didn't mention was part of the 20% of the gross revenue that I collect uh, also includes a 5% for trailers. So I provide my contractors, you know, newer food grade quality trailers that are plate trailers, swing door, air ride. Um, and that's all included in, in part of that 20% is 5% of it. 
and, and that's the maintenance on the trailer and, and everything that goes with it as well. So those are company trailers, those are your trailers. Gotcha. Uh, we run we run different trailers. So Daryl's got a Stoughton. I think his is an 08 Stoughton. Uh, we've got a couple Wabash. Uh, they're all air ride. They're all food grade. So so we don't have any of the lower quality equipment because we operate a lot of food grade customers. Yeah, and they're real picky with their what you bring to them. So um, everybody sees the team run smart truck with the bulls on the side, and they think we hauled beef. I'm like, nope, there's no reefer on this. The truck that I drive personally is uh, actually. It's almost like a $0 lease with Freightliner, but it's part of my stipend that I get for representing them on Team Run Smart. So I get a, yeah. I get new trucks whenever they have new technology to put in my hands. Yeah. Um, and then when they give me another one, I give the old one back. So they're they're yeah. actually titled to me and everything. But uh, as far as it goes, no, I, I don't pay for the trucks themselves. But when I do yeah. my calculations and comparisons on the blogs, uh, I do take into consideration uh, real-world payments on the truck. So it's it's not like right. I just brag all the time that I make all kinds of money. You know, I, I do figure in that sure. $2,400 or so a month payment that it would be. But, yeah, I love this truck. I, I rarely ever have problems with it, but 2023 is no longer my choice. So, um, right. and I know Jimmy, he don't run a whole lot of miles in his truck anyway, so that would be an ideal situation for what I'm looking for. So I'm definitely looking to get into that truck. Stay tuned for the February feature, which ought to spell out the legal stew in California around the independent contractor status in a more concise and compact way. And until next week, stay safe out there.